Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by United season ticket holder and football journalist Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to our channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio uh, Rob, it's the international break, which means a break from Manchester United being bad. But over the weekend, they still managed to fall down the league table without playing a game. So uh, how are you doing? Not too bad. I was quite like the international break. It's a, a little opportunity to take that part of your Manchester United brain and let it ferment on the table in front of you for a week or two and allow things just to happen. So, of course, we still do our shows. There is still Manchester United things happening and plenty still to talk about. Yes, indeed. A reminder, you can find us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, revelations around Ralph Ranick's consultancy role and what that actually means. We'll be talking the latest on Eric Ten Hag versus Poch, uh, which seems to be the narrative at the moment around the manager managerial situation. Although there are other candidates which do keep getting folded into the discussion, but it just seems like there's... It's going to be one of those two. We'll talk a little bit about Paul Mitchell. We'll talk about Gary Neville and a tweet that he put out over the last few days around uh, footballers and their off-field activities. And we'll also talk a little bit about potential transfer targets, even though it's going to be difficult to know who exactly United should be going for because they don't have a manager yet. Uh, Paulo Dybala is going to be leaving Juventus, so we'll talk a little bit about him. See if he is suitable for the Manchester United rebuild. I have a suspicion that he probably won't be. But he's going on a free transfer. So uh, would it make sense to bring somebody like that in? We'll have a discussion about it. And let's get into it, Rob. So where do you want to start? Should we start with uh, your surprise? This is me doing little quote grabs uh, around surprise with my with my hands, uh, if you're listening on audio. Your surprise that Ralph Ranyett's consultancy role isn't really anything more than a consultancy role, as in, hi, Ralph, mate. Uh, can you just give me a little bit of advice on our next uh, noodle partner? Or so I, I don't know. Like <laughs> maybe not that commercial, but maybe it'll be something more football centric. But nevertheless, not really that important. Yeah, it'll be like Ra- Ralph. Uh, there's a Zoom call in half an hour. Can you jump on it? Yeah, where are you, Ralph? Oh, I'm in Hawaii on holiday somewhere. So I think, unfortunately, something that I touched on over previous weeks about. What does Ralph Ranick's consultancy mean? Uh, I think we're always very suspicious is that when he's been questioned in presses about them, he's played it down deliberately. He's kind of gone, well, I don't even really know what it means. And it's like, hmm, you would have thought that there was some plan in place. But we always did believe that maybe, just maybe, because of Manchester United's hierarchy and structure and the way that it is at the moment, there wasn't really a place for Ralph to go in there maybe as a sporting director or something similar to what he's done before. 
So we're hearing now the Ralph's consultancy means exactly what we think it means, and that is that he really won't be involved in the project day to day. So I think that's a I think that's a, a complete part of Manchester United's future missed. Because I think this is the guy that can help you rebuild behind the scenes. And as again, as we've said on our shows countless times, it's fine looking for a coach, looking for players, looking for all that stuff that makes you a, a better football team. Unless you've got the right people looking for that stuff, what does it mean? Nothing. You spend a lot of money and you fail. So Ralph Raniuk, I think there was an opportunity there to, to keep him on long term. Not even necessarily as a board member, but just someone that was directing the football project. And as we're hearing now, it really does feel that even though he'll be on United's books for two years, he's not really going to have a lot of influence. Yeah, I mean, they have been quite specific with the word <laughs> consultancy and maybe they've been, maybe people have run away with it a little bit over the last few months in terms of, oh, maybe it means something more. Maybe he'll be buried into the fabric of how the club is run over the next few few months and years. Uh, but it's always been consultancy. It's always been referred to as consultancy. So it does seem as though it's not going to be any any more than that. And I think from what we've been hearing, like John Murther does kind of respect his opinion and that kind of thing, but it will be more of a, hi, what do I do here? Or hi, can you help me with this kind of thing? And it'll be Murta kind of making the decisions. Uh, so you're disappointed. Do you think the form that United have shown on the pitch has affected uh, how Ralph's position will be moving forward? Or has this been the plan all along? I'm disappointed because I think to go and get a guy like Ralph Ranić, you know, obviously where he was in Moscow at the time, uh, to attract him to your football club at a moment when you need restructuring and to get him to sign a contract with you for two and a half years, to then kind of not use him in the correct capacity, yeah, that does disappoint me because what is the point? You know, when we look at this now and we look at the long-term future of Man United and the short-termisms, why did you just not give the interim job to Michael Carrick? You know, if, you, if you're not interested in bringing in someone with elite knowledge to expand that over time and to keep him at the football club, which is what United were hinting at, like as you said, the language they've always used is consultancy in adverted commas. But what does that mean in football terms? Well, it means nothing. It means that we're going to get on and do what we normally do and this will shut you all up for a little bit. So if Ralph Rangnick is not going to influence the club over that period of time in a way that he can do or should do, then you might as well even just start with Ole, you know, because you might as well just wait to get your new manager, isn't it? Don't you think that's right? So I think that um, it's another disappointment in terms of Man United, but I do also think that change is coming. So, you, you know, a new manager is on the way. You hope that that triggers a new style of play, but I just look at the recruitment and I still worry about that more than anything, Scott. I just look at that and think to myself, well, you spent £1.2 billion on nothing. So what are you going to do with the next £1.2 billion over the next 10 years? Unless you've got the right people pushing forward, you will stand still and then you'll go backwards. You'd think, though, that they, they have, knowing that they have spent £1.2 billion and then thinking we're going to do the same over the next 10 years. Seeing how it's gone so far, surely they can't. They must realise by now that they're making mistakes and they can't keep making the same mistakes because they're falling down the table. Well, the irony is that um, in that one point two billion, if you project that for the next ten years, it's probably more like two billion. Yeah, so it's going to be more money. So you'd want to be more steadfast, wouldn't you, to make sure you don't make mistakes? 
I think uh, I, I know that football fans, especially on Twitter, get upset with me when I say things like the Glazers have spent 1.2 billion and fans immediately jump on and say, no, 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 no. It's the football club that spent it. Well, to, to the Glazers, Manchester United is their asset. It's, it belongs to them, not us. So that is they look at it in those terms. But at the same time, Scott, they've overseen record revenues. So to them, they've had success. To us, we're upset because we're watching a, a bad football team and bad tactics and bad everything. And that's our side that we're interested in. But to the Glazers, they've spent $1.2 billion on players. But hey-ho, they've made record revenues. So that's the, I, that's the, the quandary. And that's why... We need football people at Man United making football decisions. It sounds like a drum I keep banging week after week, month after month. But we've got to keep banging it because unless we like, if we stop doing that, there's every chance the club will just ignore certain things as they kind of have done. You know, in recent times, they have spoken the correct language and under things like fan involvement and, you know, redesigning Old Trafford stuff we've talked about. But to actually do stuff, is another matter, isn't it? So we have to keep challenging them. Talking about revenues there, Rob, I was actually looking into the background because the Delight Money League was released earlier this yeah. week. Uh, and United are now fifth in that list. Uh, Manchester City top with a total annual revenue of 645-ish million euros. 17, uh, you know, 17% change for the positive. And, mm -hmm. you know... There's uh, United have now fallen behind Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, and then there's United. And they're just ahead of Paris Saint-Germain as well. So you think the way that Paris... And Liverpool are behind United as well, and they're not too far off. So mm -hmm. you'd think that over the next few months with uh, fans back in stadiums and you know United able to sell tickets and that kind of thing, that maybe it's a little bit of a false position, do you think? Or uh, you, the reason why man yeah, the reason why Manchester City are number one in that Deloitte league, and I, I've done work on the Deloitte standings for 12 years now. We do it every year and kind of dig into the detail. Manchester City are running some kind of weird false flag operation. Is that all of their sponsorships that put them where they Very are Very convenient. Now, number one, exactly, <laughs> where they are number one now. When you dig into it, that money coming into the football club by sponsors are not sponsors. They are connected to the ownership and the ownership have brothers, sisters, sponsors. friends, everyone on the board of directors of all of those organisations. So when you actually look at that Deloitte League and compare it, say, to 10 years ago, which was much more connected to shirt sales, to shirt sponsorships, to people, you know, bums on seats, as we call it, in stadiums, all of the ac accumulation of those things that make you money and revenue. When you look at Manchester City being number one now, they're not number one. They're not number one because about three quarters of their money that goes into their football club is fake. It's not real. It's just through friends and business people that they are, that they are connected to. So that kind of sponsorship, you see, this is where football needs to get clever and start rejecting that kind of money because regimes, whether they be from the Middle East, Russia, you know, on the moon, wherever, cannot be putting football money into football clubs and pretending it's legitimate. Because it's not legitimate. It really isn't. It's just a number on an account sheet at the end of the day. <laughs> so Manchester City being number one, no, they're not number one. They're probably truthfully somewhere around the top 10 or outside the top 10. But they're not truly in that position. The money that they're taking home is money that's already made from their friends. To the general public, though, and to the 
the the layman in a sense, it will give the impression that of Manchester course. City have overtaken United off the pitch as well. Yeah, and, and but this is how that they legitimise making bigger transfers because they get round financial fair play by saying, oh, we've been sponsored by this company for £200 million. And then you look at that company and it's the same company that own Man City, essentially. So they're sponsoring themselves. You're not actually allowed to do that. But they do it because football allows it. So I think then there's a bigger conversation around this. I don't care where Man United are in that league, to tell you the truth. Man United could literally be the worst team in the Premier League and they would still sell more shirts than everyone else because that is how their business works and they know that. Um, but it would be nice if they could win, wouldn't it? It would be nice if they actually put the money... It, it would probably help if they could win as well. Wouldn't Maybe it? It would go hand in hand. It, exactly. And I've always said this, is that if you invest correctly and you buy the right players and you have success, then this jewel of the crown of Manchester United or English football suddenly becomes even more valuable. And if you're winning, a winning Man United always makes more money than a losing one. So how do United win then, Rob? Because we've got to talk about the two managers in the frame uh, over the weekend. Well, obviously, we talked last week about Pochettino's Champions League exit, Ajax's Champions League exit at the last 16 stage after United uh, also went out at that stage as well. Uh, Ten Hag's Ajax came back to win against Feyenoord 3-2 in the Eredivisie. Mm. And Pochettino's PSG were battered by Monaco. Uh, now, I don't really think that individual results are going to make much of a difference, but it does seem, and like this is what we've reported at 90 Min as well over the last few days, that Ten Hag has taken the edge in the race uh, about who United should be approaching. Pochettino's stock just seems to be so low at the moment. And it would be, you know, still wouldn't shock me if he rocked up at Old Trafford. It wouldn't shock me, uh, but... You know, just looking at, I, I see that a lot of reports come out and you it suggests that Pochettino's learned how to manage big egos. He's got experience of this kind of stuff. Well, it's not really showing it on the pitch, is it? <laughs> just because he's no. managing big egos doesn't mean he's doing it well. You know? No, and, and I think that, you know, he took the PSG job initially because he was a free agent. He didn't have a job. And you're not going to not go to a team that could win the Champions League, are you? There's players like Neymar and Mbappe because it doesn't suit what you normally do. You're going to adjust yourself. Plus, there's money you? involved as well in it. Of and course, there's work for huge money. Exactly. So whatever happens at PSG, he's earned a ton of money, isn't he? So, you know, this is also a job and I think fans have to understand that. Um, I think with Pochettino, he is still, he would definitely gravitate towards a job where he has a much more of a long-term build and aspect to that. And people might think that Manchester United are that that club. The worry I still have around that is that Man United are not that club. Man United think they are more like PSG. Man United want superstars. Man United want everything on a plate tomorrow. And Man United don't have a long-term vision and strategy from board level. They just look at their financial results year to year to year to year. Obviously, we just touched on that. So this is the whole thing about the United way. And we talk about this again quite a lot on our show. You know, is it the United way to bring manager in and give him three, four, five years to do it now? Well, of course not. Those days have gone. Those Fergie days have disappeared because time has changed. Pochettino is still suitable if you're going to do it long term. But I do think also is that United will be looking for the next hot thing. And the hot potato in world football at the moment is Eric Ten Hag. There's no doubt about it. So uh, I think he still leads the race. There are other factors with Pochettino about his 
suitability to the English league. We know what he does in England. He's got all that experience. That is worth something. But I think United, at the moment, Richard Arnold is looking at Ten Hag because Ten Hag is the guy that United fans also want. And if you appease United fans, they come back next year, Scott, with their season tickets. They come back, they buy the shirts, they do all those things, and they're happy. And if it goes wrong, what do you say? We did it for the fans because the fans wanted us to. You wanted Ronaldo fans. We gave him to you. It's not our fault it didn't work. You know, that's why we sacked Ole. So there's all of that narrative, I think, that runs concurrently with Manchester United. It goes round in circles every season. What about the players' choice, though, Rob? On the players' important, the, po- the Pochettino is the players' choice. And this is a, a, a discussion point, I think, that has been has come up, cropped up in a few places that I wanted to kind of bring to you. When was the last time Pochettino had a good team that was, like, properly functioning at its absolute maximum, reflecting on him as being an elite coach or, like, on the cusp of being elite? Because even when he's not really done it with PSG, he was out of work for a year before that. Spurs reached the Champions League final in 2019. But on that run and through that season, it was ob- it's obviously a surprise to see Spurs reach the Champions League final, but they weren't really playing that well, if I remember rightly. And it wasn't until the season before that, or the seasons before that, they had a team that was like on the cusp of becoming something great, you know? I, th- I think with the Champions League final, and I think people have to like dig into that a little bit more, to get Spurs to that Champions League final and be a couple of goals off winning the European Cup with a team that he hadn't spent a penny on in the previous 12 months. So people forget that. Tottenham were the only club in Premier League history to go two transfer windows without spending one penny because of what they were doing with their stadium. And Pochettino somehow took that team to a Champions League final. So I think that's worth something. I think when you look at your CV, now that's not a pot of silver and football fans don't care about that stuff. But in business terms or in the football business, I think it means something. And that wasn't that long ago. What we're we talking three years ago, something like that, three, four years ago. It, it, it wasn't that long ago. But yes, yeah, since then, it's been downhill for him. And football does turn over very quickly. So I think if Man United want to bring in a manager that can do that and operate on a budget like he did at Spurs, he's kind of the guy for you, isn't he? You know, he's proven that he can do that. But unfortunately, if you want to be Tottenham Hotspur, if that's what Man United's ambition is, then go ahead and do it. I don't think that's what Man United's ambition is. Man United's ambition is to be PSG, you know, is to be Man City, is to be one of those clubs, a kind of huge, you know, super club that they already are, but also on the pitch. Um, And that will mean throwing money at it and doing it a certain way. I don't think that Pochettino is their guy anymore. I really don't. He's still in in the conversation, like you said, would not surprise me if he ends up at Man United because there's still other things to negotiate with Ten Hag and other coaches on the market. Pochettino has always been in that conversation. But I do think the key part of it with with Ed Woodward leaving the football club is that Man United want to get away from some of the Ed Woodward-isms. They do. And that they is one of do. the that's one of the things, and I think Richard Arnold is totally. in a sense going to want to show that he is his own man. And Woodward's yeah. guy was Potch. Yeah, Richard Arnold is still a very similar character to Ed Woodward, but Richard Arnold is looking to the future because he knows that's the only place he has to take Man United for it to be successful. And and when I say successful, again, I'm talking about commercialism as well. I'm not just talking about trophies. So you've got to go forward. You know, you can't stand still. You can't go backwards. Um, and I think that with Ten Hag, again, if you bring Ten Hag in, it's foolproof, isn't it? Because if he does fail, you say, well, he was the best on the market at that time. Fans wanted him. 
oh, he played all this great football. He did really well at Ajax, but oh, it just didn't work out. And now we're moving on to Pochettino or someone else, because that's unfortunately the way Man United have been doing their business. So I, I, I do think, as you said there with the reports, um, Ten Hag strategically fits what Man United want to do at the moment. But we never know with Man United because the strategy changes every year. Well, that's a good thing to hear, isn't it? The strategy changes every year. Very it does, clear. doesn't it? But we it see does. that in the squad building, don't we? We see that in the squad building is that they they buy one or two free players and they go, this is what we want to do. Going to get Sancho. We're going to get Varane. We're building that way. Oh, Ronaldo's available now. Let's just go get him. That's how they do their business. And unfortunately, you can't do that. You've got to be able to build per department, defence, midfield, attack, look at the problems, work them, find solutions, buy the right players, get the coaching through it. They don't do any of that normal stuff. What they do is they do the Disneyland thing. And that is, uh, does this player sell shirts? Yes, he does. How many trophies has he won? Oh, he's won three Champions Leagues or something like that. Big tick on the box because that's what fans want. So we've got to see, like you said there at the top, do the players do the players want Pochettino? I'm not convinced that they do really want Pochettino. And I'm not convinced that Man United listen to the players. I think they might listen to one or two players. Paul, Paul Pogba was consulted around the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, appointment. We know he was because that's come through the club. Um, and he was happy with that. And it, 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 at the time... That was that. It was done. You know, he, he got the job. So I don't think the squad at large have much say on who the next manager will be because most of them will be going. Yes, there will be plenty of turnover in the in the summer, I would imagine. Let's hope that United can actually properly get on with it. It's been overdue for about five, six years now. <laughs> uh, some yeah. of the players in that team that are still there, it's unreal. Multiple you know, players you... from multiple managers making up a hotspot squad. A squad. So yeah. it's time to move at least I, I you can't do it in one window scott but i think this first window in the summer you could probably get rid of five or six and if you get rid of five or six you might be able to bring in two or three so you might have to kind of you know the pain might have to continue for a bit for a new manager um but at least then you're getting rid of players that are eating up your wage bill and stopping you going after talent just before we do move on who is the best fit of the two to work with the players that United have got currently because I think there there is a suggestion and maybe maybe I do think Potts would be the better fit for that because you know we I think we've talked about Ten Hag and what kind of system he'll play and like what traits he would want out of players. Do you see Ten Hag or Pochettino getting the better out of say Harry Maguire and Marcus Rashford for example? Which which boss do you think is the will work with these kind of players and is that the right way to go? Um, I'll give you my answer in a kind of logical manner and then give you my kind of contradictory <laughs> conclusion. So if you're looking for these players now, a manager that fits these players and to perform in the Premier League as quick as possible, Pochettino is miles ahead of Ten Hag. Ten Hag has never managed a day in the Premier League. Now, I don't ham it up when I talk about the Premier League, uh, you know, w- without deliberacy because it is a difficult league to manage in. It's a difficult league to play in. It's not like any other league in the world. So if you've got experience of that division, it helps. Now, Pep Guardiola was saying this not so long ago and saying that how he had to learn on the job when he came to the Premier League. He was like, you know, a night at Burnley is something I've never kind of experienced before. Yes, I've done it in Germany. Yes, I've done it in Spain where you go to less fashionable clubs, but most of them kind of 
just sit there in their deck chairs waiting for you to beat them and you go home and there's no pressure. In the Premier League, it's not like that. So Pochettino at least has experienced that. He took a Tottenham team to second in the Premier League. Obviously, they just missed out when Leicester won that title. And he's shown... I think they finished can... before Harry jumps in. I think they finished third last season. <laughs> this is third, it. Third in a two-horse race, I think. Well, is this, is, this is it, isn't it? They, they kind of collapsed in that championship race. So again, that's on Pochettino's CV. Um, but Pochettino is the guy with the experience of this league. So if you want to get these guys playing good football on day one, he's the choice. Now, here's my contradiction. Pochettino's ceiling is lower than Ten Hag's long-term. So if this is a long-term football uh, project and you look at someone like Ten Hag, if Ten Hag is the next Guardiola or is the next Klopp, then you'll never know unless you try it. So Man United have to roll the dice in that way as it stands. Pochettino is your safe choice. Someone that you've looked at for best part of 10 years. You know, you've, you've scouted this coach for many, many years. You know what he does. You know how he does it. But Man United are not Southampton. Man United are not Tottenham Hotspur. Man United is something different. So if you want to be the best and you want to win the Champions League and you want to win the Premier League again, then you're probably going to go with Ten Hag. And if you're happy just getting top four for the next five years because that is your business strategy, you'll go and get Pochettino. Pochettino will cost more money than Ten Hag in terms of wages. So that's another factor. Man United might go, we've done that with Mourinho. We did that with Van Gaal. We gave them lots of money. Ole was cheaper. And then we bought in Ranić, who was even cheaper. You know, we want to stick to that. We want to stick to someone who's a, a, on a kind of that level below on the wages. So you'd go with Ten Hag. So Ten Hag was still on a good wage, but certainly not that elite top, top, top wage. Eventually he might well do. But it depends what United want to do, Scott. This is how it goes. And who are you going to choose? I think it is a two-horse race as it stands today. There is no one else that United are looking at. Simeone might be on the market. Enrique might be on the market after the World Cup. There are other coaches in the conversation, but these are the two. It's the, it's one or the other, stylistically and practically. Yeah, I think you're pretty much nailed on there, Rob. Uh, the Pochettino option is the safe option, I, I guess you could say. You'll probably get a lot out of the likes of Maguire, Rashford, maybe Martial comes back in. You know, some other players that he's wanting to work with for a long time that he's tried to sign before as well. I'm thinking of Martial there, but you don't really think they'll go any further than third with the, with these two teams, uh, you know, City and Liverpool in the league. Ten Hag is the risky option, but I think it's the necessary one. You know, it mm. could go pear-shaped. Like, I don't think there's any United fan out there who's going to go and say that he's going to do this and he's going to win the league and he's going to win the Champions League. And this kind but of there is. There's plenty of United fans who believe that you bring Ten Hag in and it all magically works. Oh, really? Because, oh, oh, there's okay. a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I, look, you've only got to gauge social media to see some of it. Like, I try and feel, ignore it. Like, me, me too, <laughs> to an extent. I, I only look at it for the job. But it's kind of the bits I look out of it. There is this there is this feeling that if you get someone progressive, that it all progresses really quick. And football has shown us so many times that it takes a really long time when you do it that way, which is why Pochettino is still viable. Because Man United will look be looking at it and saying, right, how do we, if we come, say, fifth this year, sixth, let's say, look at it like that, how do we become fourth, third, second, or maybe first one day in the next year or two? Because that's how they look at it. It'll be Pochettino. Because they believe Pochettino has done that, that like trodden that path before, even with a kind of lowly Spurs squad. And taking that Spurs squad with no money for two years to a Champions League final, there's no doubt United will look at that as a huge tick. They'll be like, that's really good because we've already got a squad 
here that's got talent but hasn't been utilised for whatever reason. And there's players that are not happy who might be happier under someone like Poch. Look at Luke Shaw. Bad season. Luke Shaw was invented by Pochettino at Tottenham. Yeah? Tottenham, he used to pick Luke Shaw up as an 18-year-old and drive him to a training ground every morning. So, you know, there's connections there that I think the United board will look at that maybe football fans are not that interested in. Maybe Poch is past his peak. We'll see. But United have a habit of... Uh, they picked up Jose Mourinho past his peak, didn't they? And that went very, very well in the end. Uh, let's move on anyway, because uh, Pochettino is... Or has worked previously with Paul Mitchell. Uh, mm-hmm. He It does seem as though he'll be leaving AS Monaco in the next few months. Uh, and he's a Manchester man. And that has he was spotted at a, at a game with Ralph Ranić a few weeks ago. And... There are suggestions that he would potentially make a good fit to come into United, but how do, do you feel like this is a viable move, Rob, and picking up Paul Mitchell, somebody who can who's worked in recruitment and can plan that kind of thing? Is there any space for him in the United structure? Yeah, Paul Mitchell is a bit of a cult figure in football in the sense that there is a lot of people that believe in him, but there's a lot of people that don't even know who he is. So he's a guy, I think he's a Mancunian, he's from the Northwest. He... Um, he he's worked at Tottenham Hotspur. As you said he's at Monaco now. It looks like that that partnership is about to come to an end. And he no doubt will be on the market and people will be looking at him. But are Man United really looking for someone to fill a director of football function or a recruitment function? I think as it stands, the answer to that is no. We do know that Paul Mitchell has been part of the Red Bull system, obviously under Ralph Ranick and working with Ralph and that they are really good friends. So I think Paul Mitchell said publicly, and I thought this was interesting the other day, where he said, yeah, whenever, wherever I am in the world, you know, if Ralph is there, me and Ralph are like that, we we get together. You know, Ralph calls me and we chat, and that's our relationship. You know, we are friends first and foremost. So I think there is a narrative there that if Man United do want someone who's going to head recruitment, United have said that they do want another member of, of, of the football community in their ranks so Paul Mitchell might fit that but I think Paul Mitchell is a sporting director so you've already got uh, John Murto. John Murto's very much got his feet under the table very much in partnership with Richard Arnold so I don't think that there is a place for him in the same way there isn't a place for Ralph Randy we're talking about a consultancy could Paul Mitchell do something like that a consultancy with Ralph like how many consultants you're going to have? You know, it, it, it kind of gives you like this feel of like too many cooks already, and you actually haven't got any cooks or any food or anything, and yet we're talking about maybe having like multiples of them. So I don't know. I don't know. If Paul Mitchell is the solution, as you said there as well. Paul Mitchell, Pochettino, Tottenham links again, friends, people who know each other, people who've worked together and liked working with each other, and there is this chance that maybe Paul Mitchell is the guy that comes in for recruitment and does what he did at Tottenham, because he did recruit really well in that Tottenham side, like we are just saying there about um, when they got to the Champions League final. That successful period for Spurs over five years in the league of being in the top four comfortably came a lot from Paul Mitchell's mind. It really did. You know, he helped invent that at Spurs. Um, do I think Man United will jump on the Paul Mitchell ship suddenly because he's available? I'm not so sure. We will see. Uh, United have several decisions to make. Uh, but let's, I'm just looking at the agenda here, Rob. I think maybe let's, let's, let's move on to the Gary Neville comment, shall we? Because, uh, Gary Neville tweeted over the weekend, or maybe it was, we're recording this on Tuesday. Maybe it was Monday. I I can't remember exactly, but you've seen, I think Ralph was spotted at the cricket. Um, 
Avram Glazer was spotted at an event buying uh, some or getting a free some free food from a stall. Uh, Marcus Rashford and Brandon Williams were spotted together watching an event. Uh, and Gary Neville comes out and says, I remember a time when United players, managers and executives wouldn't be seen in their local Italian after a, ho- a draw at home, let alone getting knocked out of Europe because United were obviously knocked out of Europe last week. This last week, we've seen a global tour of F1, concerts, cricket, and UFC events. This lot are tone deaf. Uh, and that has kind of spouted some back and forth with, uh, you know, I think he's actually quote tweeted some replies to this and backed up his point. I think Gary Lineker's got involved, and I think there's probably been a lot of blowback on this. And Rob, you got involved as well. Uh, what did you make of this comment? Because, you know, I don't think Gary Neville was being chased around with a, a smartphone when he was uh, back in the day at a nightclub with Sharpie and Giggsy, uh, you know, getting, you know, having 10 beers midweek, you know? Yeah. I, I do think that, um, like, like just to kind of defend Gary as well, there's a starting point. I think that, again, in 140 characters, you can kind of only say so much and you can kind of maybe lean on the tone so seeing all these Man United players and staff who, you know, are part of a currently failing football team being out and about and having a good time. Uh, yeah, I get what, what the, the sentiment is. It's about kind of, I don't want to see it. But the way social media is, you're going to see it. It's just what it is. It's part branding, because that's what footballers do now at every football club, whether they're successful or not. And it's also just showing their fan base, their personal fan base, what they're up to. So if they're at a boxing match, like, Marcus was or you know I don't actually think Marcus was tweeting about it or being overly over the top about it but you get spotted someone takes a video it ends up on social it ends up on Instagram and there we go I think the difference is and kind of from the sentiment where I'll chop it up and put my two pennies in is that the players of yesterday were much worse behaved than the players of today and the players of today whether you fail or you're doing well or you're not doing well or you're winning championships, you're not winning championships, train much harder than the players from the 80s and the 90s ever did. So when the players in the 90s were eating fish and chips and getting beer bellies because they were down the pub every afternoon and then running around and winning a title, it doesn't mean that the Marcus Rashford's of this world are not working hard. So we can't apply this kind of simplicity to everything. That's, that's my point on it, is that these players, I think, do try. They do work hard. It's the Paul Pogba factor again, isn't it? People talk about Paul Pogba again like they know him or like they go on about him saying, you know, oh, he's not worked very hard in this game today. He's not a hard worker. He's not this. Yet when you talk to technical people, they will say about how hard Paul Pogba works behind the scenes. He's in the gym early morning. He's there late nights. He's doing all that work. But that's not the stuff that sells, is it, Scott? It's not interesting. All that anyone cares about is when the ball goes in the net. So I think that when we look at players, yeah, you could be a title winner from yesterday, from yesteryears, and you can be a great and you can live on that for the rest of your life. But the truth is, a lot of those boys were not very well behaved. They were pretty bad boys. And if social media was around in the 80s and 90s, their antics would have probably meant that they didn't have a career. They would have been hounded out of the game in the same way that it is today. You remember the, uh, I think it was the dentist chair before one of the major tournaments yeah. with uh, with England. I watched the Robbo documentary on Amazon Prime a few weeks ago and they would talk about how Robbo could 
sink an afternoon's worth of beers and then turn up the next day without even like showing any kind of hangover on him. And there was other players who couldn't really hack it. Mm. Um, and this was like nights before matches and before training and this kind of thing. So it's, uh, I think that the difference is, you know, <laughs> these players aren't winning. So it's going it, it, to... Exactly. I'll, I'll add just one little bit to that. I remember this is a little personal experience. When I was a kid, I got to meet the Man United team when I was about 11 or 12 years old. And uh, met them at their team hotel, was invited there, and it was really cool. It was a great day. It's for my birthday. And I went into the the hallway, into the lobby way with my mum. My mum was there. She remembers this. And there were two players who I'm not going to name who were sat in the lobby way nursing hangovers. Yeah? Stinking of booze. Now, I chatted to those players, and they were very nice. And, you know, they were kind of heroes of mine, cult figures cult uh figures in terms of their drinking as well very well known but they clearly had hangovers and sir alex came down and sir alex looked at them gave them a bit of a mouthful in front of me and they went off and did their thing and got ready for the game it was at charlton athletic the game so um that was that period that was the late 80s that's how football was it was real now can you imagine if that was the modern day now if i had a smartphone and i'd filmed that and put it on my twitter account it would have got, you know, 50,000 likes, wouldn't it? It would have blown up. So that, that that's thing of footballers in the past. We know the stories, but can you imagine if there was video footage of it now? It would just be crazy. <clears throat> yes, uh, it does seem that that's going to be, oh, back in my day, you know, this, it's never, that's we're the never going to shake it off. That's the key difference. That those United boys that won the titles in the 90s under Fergie were well known for going out in Manchester, getting drunk and fighting. Now, all of that stuff isn't on camera or video or pictures. People didn't people didn't have the facilities to do we it. Did, Marcus Rashford last week had a little altercation with a fan and that goes whoosh, you know, and he didn't he, he didn't, didn't even really do much. Confrontations, no, you know, like I, I questioned it as well though, yeah. because we, we were saying, you know, did he gesture? And he had to come and I said he needs to address it. That's what I said publicly. And, did, and I'm yeah. glad he addressed it, you know, immediately because he knows he has to, because that's the world we live in today. You can't leave it five days to burn. You see, you can't leave because your reputation gets smashed to shred, shreds immediately. So a lot of those players from the nineties who were like, Oh, you know, my day, we wouldn't have done this, we wouldn't have gone out and you did plenty. Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, it all boils down to United players being better, and I think that's uh, just what everybody wants. I'm sure that's what winning the is want. the best medicine. Winning is the best medicine. That's what Gary Neville wants. That's what you and I want as United yeah. fans. That's what the players want. Um, it just has to happen, doesn't it? So let's move on to uh, a little bit of transfer talk at the end of the show. Uh, there was a I just tweeted this uh, that Paulo Dybala once said that he would swim to Barcelona. Um, that was when he was at Palermo several years ago, back in 2015, I think, before he ended up joining Juventus. And now it's been confirmed in the last couple of days that he will be leaving Juventus on a free transfer this summer. He's out of contract. Uh, Dybala and uh, the two parties have not been able to agree a renewal. He's going to be one of several players who goes on a free transfer this summer. It looks like Paul Pogba might do the same. It looks like uh, Kylian, ba- Kylian Mbappe might end up doing the same. And there's a ton of players on that list. Um, my question to you, Rob, Paulo Dybala, been linked with Man United before, will inevitably get linked with United in the next few weeks and months until his future is decided. You know, he's a striker. He's 28. He's got injury record, which is not really desirable. But 
very, very talented player. Is he the type of player that United should be looking to bring to England? No. No, is this no another thanks. one of those? Is this another one of those? Oh, look, look at this shiny toy that we can bring in. That is absolutely uh... look, look, Dybala is a really good player, and people could say as well that maybe he's underachieved in his career. Like, I think in the early days when he was at Palermo, and uh, I, I remember that comment and thinking that the Mediterranean Sea is quite warm, so that <laughs> swim to Barcelona would have been a relatively nice little swim to, to Spain, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think at, at one point, yes, Manchester United were interested in uh, Dybala going back over time. They offered him a deal. He categorically said at that time he did not want to play in England. He did not want to play for Manchester United. It was not on his agenda. Now, that's not to say that things wouldn't change in terms of if you're a free agent and you're looking for that big signing on fee. And this is the nature of the game now, isn't it? I think we'll see this more and more. I think transfer fees will become a thing of the past and players will just do a four-year stint and move and do a four-year stint and move or a six-year stint and move because that's what you do in American sports. Completely normal that if you don't trade, then you go on free agency and free agency is just a normal thing to do that the selling club doesn't get the money. You know, it goes to the player. So I think Dybala is going to Inter Milan. It's kind of what we hear. That's the most likely destination. He's happy in Italy. You've got to remember as well that Italy itself is kind of cut into Northern Italy and Southern Italy and they're like two different worlds. So from Rome downwards, it's a completely different country. And from Rome upwards, it's the kind of northern elite. So I think if you're happy in those parts of the world, whether that be in Milan or Turin or any of that, you know, any of that kind of lifestyle that they have there, you're not really going to throw it away, are you? So I think Dybala will stay there. Manchester United do need a striker. They do need a forward. But come on, a 29-year-old, a 28-year-old with a really bad injury record have we not heard this song before? Have we not heard it singing in our ears? You know, so we need to kind of step away from this type of transfer because he'd be on a huge wages. He'd probably be the highest paid player at the club if you discount Ronaldo and maybe the other pieces or who might be leaving the football club. But you need a striker that's going to score your goals long term, 21, 22, 23 years old. Someone in that bracket, First, second big contracts. Exactly what Ralph said. This is why I like Ralph. You know, Ralph's like get young, hungry players. Is is Dybala a young, hungry player? The answer to that is no. Let him go to Inter Milan. That's a better fit for him. He'll be happy there. Uh, I'm smirking, Rob. Uh, I don't know if you noticed me smirking because I'm going to throw in a curveball to you here because I've just seen that there is a, another link with a striker that has come out of Brazil. Richarlison. <laughs> <laughs> well funny enough Richarlison has been for a year or two on Manchester United scouting lists we know this so not too much of a surprise with that link and I do think as well Man United do good business with Everton why is that well our director of football used to work for Everton and we just gave them Donny van der Beek so there is this existing relationship between the clubs um is Richarlison? What's your, opinion? What's your opinion on Richarlison as a player? I think Richarlison is is better than people think. I do. I do think he's better than people think. But is he a player that will take you to the next level? Not individually, but again, if you're if you're looking at a set of plays, you know, I said Scott earlier on in the show that you need <clears> to look at it per department. You know, you you need to look at it kind of defense, midfield, and attack. And if you're looking at those areas, it doesn't help just going to get Ronaldo to solve your attacks. It doesn't solve your attack. It's not a thing. So if you buy players 
that help you in there and you have, say, two or three for each department over, say, two transfer windows, then a Richardson is not a bad pickup. But what's the fee going to be? So I don't know. Is he is he on a is he on a free at some point coming up? No, I don't think it's so, any time yet. It's just that Everton are quite relegation but, threatened at the moment, and uh, Frank Lampard is throwing shade at Crystal Palace after losing four 0 in the cup to them, which <laughs> I, I found that hilarious. My tip was that Everton going down. I said this two, three, four months ago. I still believe they're going down. I think that they. I just do not think that uh, Lampard's going to get that defence right in time. Uh, but Richardson, if they got, if they did get relegated, or even if they ended up one place above relegation, someone like Richardson, who is an international footballer, might not want to stay there anymore. So you know, I look at two um, Brazilians, and I think comparably, when you look at what Man United need, there's someone like Rafinha, yeah, and then you look at someone like Richardson. I kind of think Rafinha fits more what you would do in the yeah, attack, in your work rate and, and go forward. And I think Richarlison's a little bit moody. So is Richarlison going to be your next Anthony Martial? You know, so, th- so there's all of these things. Or do you just not go for Richarlison, bring Martial back and say, yeah, do you know what? If, you, if it's Pochettino, let's give this guy a go. Because he's not a bad footballer. It's about tactics and systems. So I'm not interested in Richarlison at his price range, which would probably be around 50 to 60 million. No, thank you. That You can go and get a lot more for that. Let's go and get young players at the 20 to 30 to 40 bracket and fill our squad full of these hungry talents rather than someone like Richardson. Richardson himself, not particularly great injury record as well, does get injured now and then, does seem to have little spurts out the team because of these uh, these knocks that he picks up. And he hasn't helped Everton, has he, this year? Let's be honest. You know, he's not exactly a star in the making at his own football club. Yeah, of course, there is the uh, extra Premier League cost that comes with things from buying from a Premier League rival, whether ever. What do you think of Richardson, Scott? What do you I'm, think? I'm very much on the same lines as you. I think he's uh, he's often talked up as being like, it's been interest from PSG for a long time. And, you know, you kind of, you look at that and you think, well, oh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But he is a Brazilian international. He's doing quite well for Brazil. He just doesn't, I think Moody's the right word. You know, he just kind of, he's a bit too like, here or there, you know, he d- he's not consistent enough to strike me with any kind of confidence that be, he'd be a good fit at United. And it shapes in systems because this is it. I think if you put a Richarlison or a Rafinha in, say, Liverpool's squad, it'd be very useful because of how they play, the shape of that front three, the way that they work in the midfield and kind of set traps and do all that gagan pressing, counter pressing. It could work with those two plays just because. But Man United, you're building something a little bit different, aren't you, from the foundations? And I think, you know, counter-pressing and gag-pressing, all that's going to go out the window once Ralph goes. So you need to find, I think, strikers that are comfortable in the Premier League, but also maybe are not known. Maybe it's going to be a player that today we haven't discussed yet who's going to come in and say, right, this is my stage, this is my opportunity. Oh, I don't need free, you know, I don't, I don't need a contract that's like £30 million or something like that. I just need a basic wage of 100 grand a week, just just 100 grand, and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be able to be motivated on that. Whereas Man United have got players on two, three, four hundred grand a week who simply are not doing it. Absolutely, but we will see uh, over the next few weeks about... United have to make a decision on the manager before they start going buying players and making all these kind of moves. I think it's close. Direction. I think it's close. I think, I, think it's, I think at the moment we know who it is. It's, it's, a, it's a Dutch guy who I think has big ambitions. But there is no deal in place with him at the moment. I think that's the bit. I think once the deal is in place, that will all start to roll a lot quicker. But I do not believe that if you're going to take a man out of a club, 
who are still playing for things, it, you're going to get them very quickly. Maybe United can at least have an idea of who it is going to be uh, internally. And we'll see. We'll see. I don't really expect an announcement anytime soon, but maybe they can do some background work and just have an idea that this is going to be the person that we're going to get. But uh, Rob, I'll wrap up there. Is there anything else you want to add before we, before we shoot off? No, I always say an international break. Enjoy it. Enjoy the kind of week or two off from primetime Manchester United. I know everyone's still uh, reading all the content and looking at everything for United because it's always a story. But it's quite a nice period, isn't it? I think when there's no games, especially when you're not playing well, just to calm it down a little bit and look at the vista a little bit more. Yes, indeed. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us on YouTube. So hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And another reminder, you can find us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at PromiseLandMU. We will see you soon, everyone. Enjoy the international break. And uh, we'll be back soon for some more Man United chat ahead of the return of the Premier League. I think it's not until April 2nd, though. So there's some time yet. So enjoy yourselves and we'll see you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.